Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. another episode of the second city hockey podcast all right gentlemen we need to uh, we, we have a full roster by the way mr uh, mr brandon kane officially off the dl uh with that upper body injury back to 100 uh, percent for the time being which is uh, which is really good so uh, in celebration of that i think it's only fair that we uh <laughs> we get this get this started here perfect Wait, perfect gotta, gotta get this Well done. Gotta stay on brand, boys. Oh, here's to a uh, here's to an oh one and one weekend. Uh, but before we get into any of that, um, this is uh, again Second City Hockey Podcast. Brad Rapplinger, Dave Melton, America's favorite Dave Melton, and the one and only Brandon Kane has returned back to the squad um, with uh, with with proper audio equipment, and uh, and this is going to be a good time. So thank you everybody again for the uh, for the support and uh, and sticking with us here, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening, Brad. How are, how's the hanging this evening? It's uh, mm, huh. It's on point. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you just chug that beer? There was more foam in that than I wanted. Okay, somebody take over. I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. Anyways, um, again, we're 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 gritty like that. We'll we'll get through this. No, um, it is uh, it is uh, when people are listening to this is the day before Halloween. Do we have our Halloween costumes picked out yet, Brandon? Or um, I mean, I don't have anything. Um, what about you, you Dave? Uh, well, I've got I've got a Ghostbusters costume and a Fred Flintstone costume. I've been rotating for the last seven eight years. So. Uh, <laughs> So, so if I need one, I can just pull one of those out of the closet. It's all about the road. I was going to say, I'm, I've been rocking the same Chewbacca onesie now for the past three seasons, and it is a <laughs> solid piece of equipment. I got it's, 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 If you give yourself a really good Halloween costume and you just rotate Halloween parties every three years, yeah. and you rotate the same costume, yeah. It's a, cost, it's a, it's a good investment, like five years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody yeah. send in your costume ideas for Brandon Kane, and he will take a picture of himself in said costume for the Twitter uh, in that comment oh, section. Oh, oh, okay. uh, well, hey, when we is could, Will we Sebastian? Could dress him at, 
we could dress him up as an orange traffic cone and he could go as Jan Ruda. Oh! Ooh. I mean, that's the lamest hockey costume joke I can think of, but oh, yeah, I feel like it, it was there for the taking. Don't get ahead of me. There's probably going to be a column on this soon. If you read my uh, my three up, three down stock report, I, I'm a little upset in my guy, but we'll uh, we'll get to that at a... Uh, at another time, maybe in the show or in the column later, but uh, but gentlemen, we need to discuss the uh, uh, the subject at hand, and that is this Blackhawks team still has a winning record through twelve games this season, uh, despite um, again a lot of questions at the goaltender and defense position. They're scraping out uh, they're scraping out points left and right. Um, this weekend wasn't spectacular. Uh, again, with uh, St. Louis, that was uh, that, that was not a great. Performance um, by any stretch of the imagination uh, all around, oh, except for Patrick Kane, he scored two goals, which I guess we'll, we'll start there. How good is Patrick Kane right now? We, I don't think any of us thought he would be this dynamic of an offensive player in terms of scoring all of the goals in 12 games, and he's got 11 in 12 starts. This is a little ridiculous. Is, it, are we, is this what we expected, Brandon, or is this kind of along the lines of like, eh, it's showtime being showtime? Um, I think you expect him to be the leading scorer. Um, I know last year he was beat out by one, um, <clears throat> by Debrinket for the, the goal scoring lead, but, um, you know, he's the, he's the workhorse. He's the ones that, you know, he's going to drive the the production on that end. Um, I think I'm more surprised by the amount of goals he's scoring. Um, I would think that more of his points would come from assists to, um, distributing the puck. I think that with Anisimov being back on the second line, um, that's kind of going to be a trend to where he's just scoring more and more goals um, just because they just have this chemistry that, I mean, it's not going to be like dazzling plays or anything, but um, they've played together for two seasons now and they just mm-hmm. click. And it seems, yeah, and it seems like Saad's kind of found his role in that uh, left wing position as well on the second. Yeah, and it's something that with Saad, he's not one to where he's you know overthinking it. It seems like he's just like, hey, these two guys can carry the offensive load. I can be there um, with being on the same line as Anisimov. He doesn't have to go to the net, which was something that was um, something he should have been doing more when. Mm-hmm. He was given that um, role before with Schmaltz because um, you need that big body. But with Anisimov there, you don't really because he can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And let's be real, Anisimov's shot is not the prettiest thing in the world. It's kind of effective, though. I mean, that guy's <laughs> looking sneaky good, according I to... I mean, his uh, defense against St. Louis, that was better than I expected um, mm-hmm. on that play where he... I think he he stole the puck and then kind of passed it along the boards to Kane and then Kane just gave it right back to him and it was just like boom five second play there and there was a goal um, so that was really nice to see mm-hmm. absolutely Dave what uh, what do you have to say about the the Patrick Kane start here so far this season I, I think the biggest surprise with Kane is just that he's he's thriving so much in spite of the power play being so terrible because usually you'd associate Kane with um, if Kane was having a big season, you'd assume a ton of those points would be coming from power play goals and assists. But as I'm, I'm looking at his stats now, he's got one power play goal 
and four power, or excuse me, three power play assists. And I think the Hawks have five power play goals this season. So Did he's you just been dish the, diss the power play. How dare you? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> How? But but he's so so through the first twelve games of the season, he's got uh, ten even strength goals. Last season, last season he had twenty two. The season before that, he had twenty seven. And then the season before that, with Artemi Panarin skating on his opposite wing, he had 29, if I can do math. So you're, you're looking at 10 even strength goals through one-seventh of the season. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest surprise for me is that Kane's scoring so much at what I'm assuming is even strength. I think he's got probably one or two overtime goals in there somewhere. Mm. But uh, I, I think that's the biggest surprise for me is in the past when the Blackhawks' power play has struggled, Kane has been the biggest um, – Kane's numbers have been affected the most by that because obviously with him being an offensive weapon, mm-hmm. uh, no power play means no production for him. But the fact that he's doing so much at even strength is, uh, is a very encouraging sign, one, and it's, uh, it's also a very surprising sign. Do you think that has to do with the fact that Quenville – it seems like Quenville's finally found the, uh, the second line that we're going to see for the remainder of the season, at least, again, for how things have been trending lately yeah. with Artem Anisimov now stepping into that center position, Schmaltz is out, um, and then Brandon Saad. Again, Saad's kind of the loose end there, but it's a – that second line, it seems to be gelling more and more as the season continues to progress, which is – was a question mark. It wasn't, I mean, again, there was so many question marks with this team going into the year, but you know, not having Q play the old boggle board game where he's just shaking around guys wherever and like having a solid second line and, you know, pretty much a guaranteed first line. That's, that's gotta be why this team has gotten six wins. Yeah. Well, Oh, I mean, that's a big part of it. His line and the Taves line up top, but I mean, I, we know Joel Quinville's past, like, just because that line's working now, like by we could talk here next week and it'll be Kane skating with Fortane and Kruger or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like it's it changes. It's gonna change every week. I mean, if they, they Johnson to the top line. Yeah, yeah, right. So so it, like it's 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 working now and it works and fits and starts and honestly as well as Kane's playing at the start of the year, I think you can put anybody up there with them and they're gonna thrive. I think Anisimov is can be a compliment to Kane because, you know, he'll, he'll go to the net and get the rebounds off of Kane shots because Kane shots are hard to stop. They're hard to stop alone, and then they're hard to control the rebounds off of after that. Mm-hmm. So, and that's how Anisimov made his money last year. I think he had like 20 goals by just cleaning up the scraps in front of the net, and majority of them being on the power play. Didn't so, he lead the team last year at one point, too? I think he was... I want to say he had 15 goals or whatever and was well, he, the yeah, highest not, scoring players on the Hawks. He had, he had 11 power play goals, which had to, had to lead the team. Yeah. That was the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I still, I still hold out that I, I really think Nick Schmaltz is going to end up back in the second line center role at some point this season. I don't think, I don't think a third line winger is uh, in the, in the plan for Schmaltz, but while it's working uh, in the last week or so, you know, Q's going to leave it alone for a little bit, but I'm sure at some point in the season you're going to see Saad, Schmaltz, and Kane back together again. And if Kane keeps playing as well as he has, like I said earlier, uh, it doesn't matter who you put with him, that line's probably going to work. But if you put, it feels like the maximum potential of that second line scoring is Kane skating with Schmaltz and Saad. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What one thing, and I did notice um, in in checking out just kind of overall team stats yesterday after a, after a back to back weekend, and ultimately they played four games in a span of six days, which was a pretty hefty schedule. Actually, if I do the math correctly, over eight days they played six games, so it was a pretty packed little jam packed little stretch there. They they ended up splitting it, um, you know, three and three. But one of the biggest things that I noticed too was kind of the weakness of the center position from a from a face-off circle and yeah, face-off circle and puck possession standpoint for whatever reason it didn't seem like the Hawks could really you know maintain control or gain control from uh you know from from puck drop so Brandon I mean can you kind of talk about where you think maybe you know like a Luke Johnson is gonna go or you know is is David Kampf gonna make his way back into the lineup I know his status has been questionable as of late um, you know, but he can sneak around in there too. Obviously, Schmaltz probably not going to be your third line winger, but uh, we don't really know. So, what's the solution to maybe trying to mix some things up at the uh, at the center position? Um, I think that Johnson probably stays up, and that Camp will go to Rockford and play. Um, they're pretty banged up in Rockford right now. Mm. Um, Dahlstrom. And Highmore both had injuries this weekend. Mm-hmm. Not sure of the status of them, but um, I know Highmore's injury looked pretty bad. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, slid right into the boards, and that's yeah, never good. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, obviously you need someone to fill um, Highmore's you know, scoring role down in Rockford, but also it's going to give Camp more playing time, which is better than sitting and eating popcorn in the press box, you know. Hey, what are, you, what are you taking shots at Dave and I for, 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 for what is this? I mean, I'm not a popcorn person, but you know, are, I really, are we going to do, are we going to do this now? Are we we're really <laughs> gonna do this now? You're not a popcorn guy. He doesn't like baseball. He doesn't like apple pie, root beer. What else? No, I like all those things aside from popcorn, but... aside, aside from popcorn. What so, like, are you, I mean, you, go ahead, Dave. I've never heard anyone have this passionate of opinion on popcorn. Like it's, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's a good, you know, I think it will power rank snacks during the bye week or you know, something <laughs> like that. We'll see where the show goes. But uh, by the way, pretzels, number one overall. Um, the uh, yeah, No, it's it's interesting. Yeah, again, with with some of that young talent, too. I mean, we're looking at a, at a Dylan Sakura who's having himself a pretty decent start to the season in Rockford. And I know that he's super young and I know that they might be trying to control his contract for, um, you know, for the future and things like that. But I mean, the guy played some games that, you know, at the NHL level last season, and he's going to probably, well, he will suit up for the Hawks this year. It's just a matter of when, where, how, et cetera. Um, I guess we'll start with Dave and then Brandon, you're next. What, what's your Dylan Sakura take? Where do you think he's, uh, he's going to be bound? Um, or will he be in Rockford for, you know, extended period of time? Are we going to see him jump up into the, uh, into the NHL lineup as well? Kind of take us through what your expectations are for the Dylan Sakura timeline. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on board with what you were saying right there is that I I really believe at some point, He's going to be up in Chicago this year. I think there was too much hype around him in preseason and, uh, and everywhere else for him than to not give him a look at the NHL level. You know, it's kind of disappointing the way he started there, the way training camp went for him. I think we were all expecting him to be the guy, uh, be at the NHL level. And he, he seems like the ideal guy that um, you put him on your probably your third line with maybe Fortane on the opposite wing and maybe camp in the middle or Johnson or somebody. And that's the line that gives you the, the sneaky goals here and there. 
mm-hmm. that you need uh, to provide that depth scoring. Because like we saw when we saw him play at the end of the last season, like he didn't look entirely out of place. You saw the hands, you saw the ability to make plays. Like I remember a few times he got the puck, and you could just see him like like he did the 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 thing that Kane does a lot, where he's get in the zone and pull up along the boards just inside the blue line and kind of wait for the play to develop and then make his pass. Um, so mm-hmm. I, you can see there's there's something there, and I I'm, I want to see more of it at the NHL level. Him having seven points in nine games down in Rockford is a very good sign. Uh, I think he'll be up for soon. I don't, I don't really I, – my guess would be is that uh, the first time somebody gets hurt at the NHL level, Dylan Sakur is the guy that gets the phone call. Um, and it's, it's going to happen. I mean, somebody's going to get hurt eventually. Uh, hopefully it's like nothing serious. Dave's got a rifle up in the 300 level. Like, <laughs> just say the word. I'll take it on yeah. Saad whenever you want, man. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, no, no, Saad's, per- Saad's taking care of himself. I don't think we have to worry about that. I, but, it'll probably be Chris Kunitz if it's knowing you. It's probably Chris uh, Yeah. Um, or one of the Brandons, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but I, so in terms of that's expectations, do you want him up at the NHL level? Dave? Well, I, I want him to, or when do you, want I want, him? I want him to be playing so well that they have to call him up to the NHL level. That that's the ideal route. It's not that they're just calling him up because you know, okay, it's his turn. It's you want him to be playing out of his mind down in Rockford and the Blackhawks like, well, we can't ignore him anymore. We have to have him up at the NHL level. That's the ideal thing. And I, I do, I think I'd, I'd want to see him at some point just because I still think that he's a major question mark. I don't think anybody really knows what they have with Sakura. So, um, and that's a question we'd like to get answered at some point. Mm-hmm. Brandon? Um, I've always thought, you know, once he was sent to the AHL, that this is a very similar experiment to Vinny Hinnestroza mm. where you're going to get 20 some games in the AHL, see how he does. And then whether it's injury or, you know, what Dave was saying, where you just look at the numbers and you're like, we got to see what we got here. at the Sniper NHL. in the building. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and call him up. Um, I think, you know, there was a, an article in the Chicago Tribune about Koontz and how it's just, you know, kind of like a, a swan song year where he's just like hanging out with his family you know yeah. his wife's from the area mm-hmm. and you know that's a great story and everything and you can take your paycheck and you can go sit on the side yeah he's the he's the chemo teaming of this of this season if you will <clears throat> yeah but people actually like chemo that's true <laughs> um <laughs> and, so. and, and one last thing on sakura that i forget sometimes he's 23 years old already so mm-hmm. you know a, after a while like he's got a He's got to show up. You know, uh, Henestrosa was is only 24, and he's been in the NHL. I think this is his third year now. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Sakura already has a short wick because he played four years in college. Um, and when uh, most of the guys that play in college and come to the NHL don't stay all four years. So he's got to – if he's going to do something, it's got to be this season or pretty early next season or he'll somebody else will get called up and we'll forget about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that – you know, that person that would get called up if it wasn't him would be um, the Swedish assassin. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I, well, you're, I'm assuming you're talking about Ed Selhul, and I think he had two goals in a game this weekend, right? Yeah, and that uh, was his first day back after being yeah. out. Yeah, because he, he was a healthy scratch, I believe, in a, a game or two before it. So. Yep, yeah. So so maybe he's turning it on. and Yeah, like, like, well, those, those are the two guys that, like, during the prospect tournament over the summer, seemed like they were, like, 
they were the guys ready to make the leap. And I think Edsel had a really good showing at that prospect uh, rookie tournament, whatever it is. And so I like, those are the two guys we were expecting to be the third line uh, depth scoring guys. And then they both got sent to Rockford. So yeah. And just by like a sheer, you know, size factor. Um, oh God. Yeah. Yeah, he's large. Sakura is not the favorite on that. And Dylan is <laughs> Dylan's the opposite. Those yeah. two standing next to each other is pretty good. That's uh, yeah, that's like that was you like, need like a Victor. Uh, um, shoot, what's his name? Svedberg. Svedberg. Yeah, I was gonna you say need them like all three together, so you can get like the the cell phone tower. <laughs> Dude, I was because that was like watching uh, um, uh, Tulola last year play on the same line as uh, as Victor Svedberg. It was like holy crap. Um, it's like this is Dan O'Chara standing next to Theo Fleury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Seriously. I was trying to think of a short hockey player and Theo Fleury is the first one that came to yeah. mind. For well, St. Louis. Yeah. John, Johnny St. Goudreau. Saint Louis, yeah. Martin yeah. St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting too. And you guys are ta- kind of talking about Rockford and, and what we were watching, you know, with, with some of the guys that are there, a player that's there now that, that is not going to be playing for, for Rockford for a whole lot longer is Gustav Forsling at the D de- at the defense position. And um, obviously there's uh, there, as, as we talked about at the top of the show, there are a few problems with the, uh, the, the third and fourth line defense, which we'll get to if we can <clears throat> lightly dance around uh, a certain player that happens to be a favorite of somebody on this show. Um, we're not going to name names, but the, uh, but Gustav Forsling looked, really good in Rockford. Um, I did get to go see him on Wednesday on dog day, by the way, every Wednesday is dog day at Rockford. If you don't go to experience at least one of those, you are missing out. It is hockey and dogs people. There's even, and there's beer that you get all three of the good things. And it's, it's a wonderful time and, and, and the, not a sponsor, but shout out to the dog day on, on Wednesday nights. It's a fan. That's, that, that's a great, that's a great marketing. That's um, great work. Brad, where do you go after games? Um, well, I mean, you could, you know, some people could get off the, uh, the exit there at, uh, at, at, uh, Fremont there at, on route 20 and they could go to like, there's a, uh, what's it called? Like a Jimmy John's there and there's a Burger King, et cetera. But personally, I am the fan of the staple of, uh, of central Illinois or, or North central Illinois for that matter. And that is the beef now with drive through um, also not a sponsor, but we're big fans. Um, hey, Beefru, if you want to send us shakes, we are all down for shakes. Um, but back to the Rockford talk. Uh, Forsling playing super fast, controlling the offense at the blue line. He looked super refined for having sat out now for I what it's been like six months, was it? Five six months. Quite that long. Well, it's been, no, it's, it was in the summer. It was in the summer, right? Was it the summer? It's, it was it's, like June. I feel like it was late June. No, it was. Uh, it was July thirtieth. He had surgery on his right wrist. So, right. right. When so, was the injury though? Uh, was, that was wasn't right said. Before, it was right before it. I assume it was like a week or two before it. Okay. And I, right. I, my guess was like it had to happen during like. Weight of weightlifting accident of some sort. Mm-hmm. Either way, there was a lot of skepticism on how strong he was going to come back to the lineup. And again, with all of the problems that were happening at the blue line, I, this was kind of a, a big player that we know that Stan Bow and um, and Quenville were kind of looking forward to, you know, piecing into the lineup. And he looks really good um, as of right now. Again, we're not entirely sure. Do we know what the turnaround time is for Forsling to come back to the lineup? 
So his original timetable was set at 14 weeks um, when they released that he had surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was Halloween, right? Like this week. Um, but he was cleared to play last week. So uh, really it's any time. And the interesting thing is if they were to call him up this week, um, the first game would be Wednesday, which is in Vancouver, who traded Forsling to mm-hmm. Chicago for one Adam Clendenning. Where is Adam Clendenning now? <laughs> Europe? Uh, I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who he played for the country edition. What country does he play in? Um, oh, there's the typing. Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can hear you can, let's just say that my, my two uh, co-hosts, their fingers have burst into flames trying to figure out what country Adam Clendenning is currently playing in. Um, Clendenning also making a big impact in the HL uh, playoffs last year. But anyways, Forsling is going to be a big piece on that defense. And I'm sorry, but God damn it, Jan Ruda, figure it out. Where have you been? Figure it out. Figure it out. Oh, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm triggered. Let's go. First of all, the Brandons are hot garbage. We're just going to let – that is what that is. And, like, oh, God, come on, Jan Ruda. There, there are so many opportunities. I gave him passes last year because there were back-to-back games where he was, like, in the same corner of the west end of the United Center up against the blue line where some dingus and, like, David Backus, whatever it is, throws an elbow. He goes headfirst in the boards, concussion, he's out for a while. It's like, all right. Get yourself right, get healthy, and then 2018, you can have yourself a year. He's not having himself a year, boys. Uh, he's uh, – the good news is, is he's at least averaging at like 15, 16 minutes per game, but he was only out there for nine minutes – or was it nine minutes and 40 seconds against St. Louis, and he didn't even play against Edmonton. Jan Ruda, ugh, he better figure it out or he's gone that third line defense needs to get figured out and figured out fast because the rest of the defense has been playing pretty damn well between Yoki Haru, Keith Seabrook, and uh, Eric Gustafson as well. Um, guys, what's the answer to the, the, the defensive problems? So first, uh, Clendenning has played four games with the Blue Jackets. <laughs> Someone's put him on an NHL team? Yeah, he signed a, wow. like a, one of those two-way deals with the Blue Jackets after he played 38 games with the Ice Hogs last season because he was the one guy that Stambo was like, I want you back. How is he only 26? I could have sworn he would have been like 30 by now. I felt like he was in the Blackhawks organization for 20 years. Yeah, like a 29, 30, something like that. And, tra- and traded and reacquired like five different times. He's like defense, defensive Jeremy Morin. <laughs> he was their second-round pick in 2011. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like in – like NHL 2009, if you simulated five years into the future, Adam Clendenning became a stud every time. <laughs> and then I don't know how to feel about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's that was like that was one of the reasons why I was really excited about him in the future because well the the video game thinks he's going to be good, so it's got to be real, right? It's got to uh, be legit. Hey, the yeah. video game thinks St. Louis is going to win the Stanley Cup this year, so. I mean, take that for what it is. I think the I think the Madden projection had the Bears losing twenty eight to three on Sunday. So, mm. yeah, video game projections always always accurate. Always oh, always always totally legit. Um, yeah. What are we, uh, Dave? What are we thinking about that that third line defense? What's the answer? What are we gonna do? Time, time, because you have to wait for Gustav Forsling and Connor Murphy to get back. That's because I I don't know how 
exactly they're going to be constructed, but I think the six defensemen that are going to be playing on this team come March and April will be Keith Yokoharu, Seabrook, Gustafson, Murphy, and Forsling. And I think uh, by that point in the season, Brandon Manning will be permanently in the press box, if not outrighted to the minors. Jan Ruda will be down in the AHL, and Brandon Davidson will be your seventh man rotation guy. Um, that's not very encouraging unless Connor Murphy comes back and like plays out of his mind. Not that I think Connor Murphy can be fine, just maybe not good enough. But um, I think that's your that's your defense the second half of the season. And uh, I don't know. If, I I feel like it, that's going to be better than what they've got now. I don't think I could call that a good lineup, but mm. you know. It's a better than what they've got now, so, a, and and I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a struggle. I mean, do do we? I'm like, what about now? Do we look to like a bringing up a Carl Dahlstrom early for a couple of games to see how he does, and then I mean, bring him back? Or I, it wouldn't surprise me if they brought someone up, but um, I I I think it's just going to be constant tinkering from Quinn. Well, you know, he'll probably leave Keith and Yokohara you alone probably leave Seabrook and Gustafson alone because I think those two pairings are fine. And then it's just going to be constant, um, just constant tinkering. Just, just constant moving by Quinville to try and find a pairing. And, you know, if it'll click for one night. And, you know, truth be told, I didn't think Manning and Davidson were terrible against St. Louis. I thought they were okay. So maybe he'll use them again on Wednesday night. Um, and then by Thursday night, we'll want to cut – we'll want to trade both of them again. Um, so it's just it's it is like it's that's just what it's going to be at this point. It's going to be frustrating after you know after every game when we write our three thoughts, we can say, well, the third defensive pairing ruined another game, but uh, that's just where it is right now, unfortunately. And until uh, Forsling and Murphy get back, um, we're just doomed to another month or two of frustration. As we uh, as as we go to to Brandon Kane for a goalie. Thoughts. We it would it has come across from the Second City Hockey Stats Department that the Chicago Bulls currently trail the Golden State Warriors at the half by a score of ninety-two to fifty. Um, and and I, Brandon, you were about ready to rank our uh, or you're or you're prepared to rank the worst or the the Chicago defenses and and. In order from best to worst, or what do we? What do we I, I, yeah, I think so. Um, this is so bad. <clears throat> so the so the we'll go we'll go best to to worst, right? Okay. So number one is probably the Red Stars. There it is. That's. Oh, <laughs> uh, I yeah. <laughs> Dave Dave knew that was happening. Like that has to. I I I I. I should have, and it I'm upset be, with myself be, that I didn't. I was gonna say, it can't be the fire; they're out of the. What, does Does Julie Ertz play defense for them, or does she play mid? Uh I think she's a mid. Okay, because like she right. she was a defender, I think, of the last World Cup, and then they moved her to mid. So I didn't know if she was still playing that with her. Club. I mean, she can do whatever she wants, really. Yeah, That's yeah, good. yeah. She's the best. Um, so their number one, number two is probably the Danny Trevathan led Bears. <laughs> I only say that because Akeem Hicks threw like a pissy fit this morning on uh, the score because they were asking him questions about Cleo Mack and he's like, dude, didn't even play. We were fine. No. Um, hey, which hey. like they were, right? I, 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 have an, I have an undying loyalty to Akeem Hicks because he rules. So uh, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So those are the top two. Um, 
three is the Cubs. Yeah, probably because I assume you'd probably have pitching in the defense. So, As yeah. I say, pitching yeah. in that infield is pretty stacked. Yeah, there you go. Uh, four. I don't know. White Sox or oh yeah, I'd go Sox. I mean, Ad, Ad, Adam Engel was like uh, a weekly web gem guy, and they've got some pitching. So yeah, I think I, I think I'd put them over the Blackhawks. Yeah, oh absolutely, England. Uh, okay, Anderson. So we'll do so we'll do Sox four, Hawks five. Um, the Illini sixth. They don't count. They don't ba- count. Basketball. Illinois basketball. Oh, I sorry. I forgot. I forgot. I was supposed to care. <laughs> Illinois shooty um, hoops. Hey, not only did you forget that you were supposed to care, so did Brad Underwood. Yay! Yeah. Well, yeah. We're gonna get to that. By the way, Illinois and Illinois Wesleyan playing this weekend. We're gonna be. We're gonna be on site for that. This is a hockey podcast. What the hell are we so, doing? So we got. I, um, I never know. So we got Red Stars. <laughs> we're off the rails. So we got Red Stars, Bears, um, three is Cubs, four Sox, five Blackhawks. Now, are you intentionally leaving off the Chicago Fire, or have you just not got to them yet? Sunday was really hard to watch that. It's an hour-long show, hour-long show here, boys. Let's. Do- <laughs> so, oh, man, so, this is so yeah, hard. Fi- fire than the Bulls. Done. Well, and then. Well, we. Yeah, we you're going to want to throw in the sky, and I couldn't tell you where the sky fit in there. So it can't be I as think bad ironically, as they're at the bottom. It it's can't. 94, there's no way they're worse than the Bulls. It's ninety-four fifty. We're eleven minutes. <laughs> All right, so we'll go. So we'll go. The Bulls are the worst, and then the the sky are six. Okay. There I was going to go. Well, I was going to put the Illinois Tollway seventh, and then the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's talk goaltending before we get even further off the rails here. Um, Brandon Kane. I have a question for you about uh, last we checked um, and our favorite Brandon. Um, what have we thought of Cam Ward's performance through what has it been? Ten starts or nine? I think it's been nine. It has been no, it hasn't. It has been seven starts this season. Close. It probably felt like nine or ten for him. <laughs> I'm well, gonna, if he's I'm played just... enough overtime periods, he might be getting close to eight or nine games. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think expectations once he signed was, oh, dear God. And then <laughs> the second reaction was, that's okay, pretty, let's see how this goes. Pretty accurate. Oh, dear God is a pretty good reaction. Yeah, that's about what it is. Um, so, I don't know. I felt that he's lived up to expectations. Um, and I obviously on Sunday night's game, um, he, he did pretty well, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty content with him as a backup. Um, I still want to see Forsberg see some time, um, and I know Bowman's come out and said that he still wants him in the system. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to have that guy in the system, you got to give him some minutes in the NHL to see Absolutely. what you got there. Uh, Absolutely, and that's a guy who's. You know, he was the starter when Crawford went down last season. So um, there's experience there. There's youth. Um, they're not going to bring off um, Nilamov uh, from the KHL until next season is what they've gone back and forth on there. We're going to leave the organization. We're going to demand a trade. Nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <clears throat> that's kind of where I see that situation. 
And I'm still surprised that Forsberg didn't get picked up. I think that the King situation of quick being like, no, I'm actually healthy. And then like three games later being like, Meh, back on the IR, mm-hmm. um, the Hawks kind of benefited on that end. Absolutely. But I, and here's the thing. So first of all, on Cam Ward, here's, here's what we've got so far through seven games and uh, through seven starts, he's averaging 61 minutes and 21 seconds on the ice per game. So take that with what you will. He's three, one and three, uh, with a, a total of 28 goals allowed through seven game or through, uh, through seven starts. Um, it, we're, it, it's interesting. I again, same percentage is he's 0.889, which for his career, he's just a smidge under uh, 0.91. So, I mean, I'm reading his stats and Cam Ward has not, been good according to what i'm looking at here and yet you look at like the minnesota game for example in that third period where ward was making up a bunch of clutch saves to to keep the hawks in it for a long time until a defensive breakdown ultimately cost them a a, a second point it sent it to overtime and then the wild eventually got that one but um you look at that game, for example, or you know some of the some of the play that he that he had in St. Louis on the road, or against St. Louis at home, or you know like last night against Edmonton. It it's better than what it looks like on paper for Cam Ward as of right now, and that's been a very pleasant surprise. I know that it's been that way at least for me. Um, Dave, what have you thought of of Ward's tenure in the in between the pipes so far this season? I, the two words that come to mind is surprisingly fine. Like I, I, I've expected Cam Ward to be a complete disaster. I expected him to look like Barube and Jeff Glass and everyone that played last year looked like. But uh, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Sean Tierney on Twitter, but he tweets out uh, regularly tweets out a bunch of uh, analytics. And he mm-hmm. earlier today he tweeted out his goals saved above average per sixty. Now I'm not incredibly familiar with the statistic, so I can't explain. I'm I'm not entirely sure what these numbers mean, unfortunately, and I, I need to look into this more. But uh, I, I believe it's just saying it's um, goalies who are making, uh, making saves that the average, the, like in a replacement level goalie is not making. Sure. And Cam Ward is uh, right underneath Carey Price and right above Corey Crawford. He's at a, uh, at a rate of 0.327 per 60 minutes. Crawford's at 0.244. Now, this isn't saying that he's better than Corey Crawford. I think mm-hmm. a large part of the statistic is just the mountain of shots that he's had to face, especially in that game against Tampa on Sunday night when he, oh. made, you know, he gave up five. I think he gave up five goals, and his save percentage was still in the low 90s, mm-hmm. which shouldn't <laughs> happen, but it did. Uh, he faced that, 54 shots in that game. Yeah, yeah, and it, like I said, I've never seen a goalie play five, give up five goals and play better. It's it's it was one of the craziest games. Mm-hmm. I've seen so yeah he's been fine like I I thought he would uh you know he hasn't I don't think they've had to pull him out of a game probably could have pulled him in that Toronto game but you know that was yeah that was third game in four nights I think that was just it was a horrible decision to play him mm-hmm. um and I part of me thinks that they they left Forsberg on the bench because they didn't want him to go out there and play out of his mind and then get claimed on waivers uh, I think one of you guys already said it. I'm, I was surprised he made it through waivers. I thought for sure somebody was going to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Cam, Cam Ward's been surprisingly fine. I didn't, I didn't see it coming, but uh, kudos to him. He's been, uh, he's been what you expect out of your backup goaltender. He's given the Hawks a chance to win pretty much every night he's played. 
and sure. uh, and going forward with Crawford hopefully playing you know fifty to fifty five games uh, over the course of the season. That means Wood will get another twenty starts or so, and uh, I think I I'm more confident that the Hawks can win those games than I would would have been uh, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and Crawford so far this year he's three and two. Um, <clears throat> three and two on the win loss record and his save percentage. He's about nine twenty. He's a, he's a point nine one nine. Um, but his goals against average, he's at point two four four, which if you look at the span of his career, that's roughly where he's always been kind of just a pinch under two and a half goals per game average. So, I mean, Crawford's been, Crawford's been ideal deal i mean for what you for what we were kind of expecting him to come back and be i mean obviously again that st louis game was not great giving up two goals in the first seven shots of the game or allowing the first goal in first 18 seconds but the thing what has happened with with crawford's return forsberg now going down to rockford and um and now the again speaking of the 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 shuffle and the boggle board of uh, of of roster spots now you look at the goaltending situation for chicago and it is backloaded um it was reported uh before we record before we started recording tonight that um that kevin lankinen is headed to uh to the indianapolis indianapolis fuel um uh in the echl uh to make room for anton forsberg and colin delia in rockford so you've got a guy that I know myself and Dave were pretty high on with Delia last season um, and hoping that he would spend all of this year in Rockford to, you know, grow, develop, and, you know, potentially turn into a piece that, you know, the Hawks can use in the future. But, I mean, now you're looking at Anton Forsberg, who's going to be there as well. So you've got two guys that need the playing experience that are going to be fighting for playing experience. Um, And then don't forget the fact that both Anton Forsberg and Colin Delia um, are 24 and 25 respectively. So there's not a lot of time really with those two. And now you've got some other prospects down lower into the, you know, into the minor leagues. So what do we make of the the goaltending situation aside from what's currently happening um, in Chicago? Uh, Brandon, what do you have to say about, you know, kind of the, the state of the union with, you know, Chicago's goaltending and just how far backlogged this is into the, uh, into the different waves of the minor league? Um, it's kind of expected that they would send down um, the Finnish guy. He signed to a two-year deal. That's like it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, they've just lost hope, it seems like, on Tompkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've just – I mean, obviously they brought in, I think, two of the last three years they've brought in some European goalie to play in the AHL instead of having Tompkins there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just – I mean, he's, I think he was like goaltender of the week or something last week. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's good for him, but I don't see him moving up the chain at any time. Uh, and you have to think that next year, um, Alexis Gravel will go from his junior team in uh, Halifax into the AHL or be that starter in the ECHL. Um, so that's something to think of. And then with um, Delia and Forsberg, I think it's just kind of that situation where they wanted Delia to be the starter there mm-hmm. uh, and just get that time um, to where he would kind of be on par with Forsberg. And then they could be like, Hey, 
we have just seen more from this guy in bigger that, moments and that's we're sweet. just going to roll with him and kind of hope that Forsberg's future is similar to other former Blackhawk netminders. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the two of them, who do you have more confidence in moving forward? Is it Colin Delia or Anton Forsberg? <clears throat> um, that is a good question. Um, I like Forsberg's mask better. So I'll go with <laughs> Love he it. doesn't have a minion on it or a squirrel. He has an Avicii tribute, though. He does that. He does. So, as my Swedish side, you know, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> By the way, we're officially off script. Uh, Dave, uh, we'll we'll jump right off there. You, between uh, between Delia and Forsberg, who do you uh, who do you who do you value more in the years to come? Well, I I think it's it, it's kind of a weird spot because. Delia's just on such a like the arrow's just been pointing up for him for the last year mm. straight. Um, so I think that's why he's kind of the he's, he's kind of the hot hot new thing in the Blackhawks goalie pipeline. Which, by the way, this is so weird that we have goalies in the Blackhawks pipeline to talk about because for the last like six years they had <laughs> nothing. Like is it like every year down in Rockford they would just get some other NHL retread and throw him in net for the season. Uh, like, you know, I think Michael Layton had some stints down there. Jason LaBarbera had some time down there. Oh, name I mean, drop. Well done. It's just, just all the I'm, – I'm, I'm looking at the AHL stats. It's the only reason I remember these names. I remember <laughs> I remembered Michael Layton being there because I remember, A, he gave up the game-winning cup goal and the uh, that he was originally a Blackhawk way back before uh, home games mm-hmm. were on TV. But um, getting back to the to 2018 Blackhawks goalies, um, like, I, I think – like there's still something there with Forsberg, and I've I, I think I've written about this several times that I keep like yelling it till my eyes turn red. But like I, I last season, you you cannot judge or make a definitive conclusion on Forsberg because of last season. Mm-hmm. It was his first NHL time. He was playing behind a god awful team where everything was going wrong. Just that it, it it was a horrible situation for him to be thrown into. He didn't play well either. So, you know, what, what do you want what do you want from the kid? He was 25 years old making his first uh consistent NHL time. Mm-hmm. So it it happens. I'm I'm not uh worried. I I just wanted to see more out of Forsberg. I wanted to see if, if he could rebound and and improve he could be an, a quality NHL backup. Um now the fact that he cleared waivers, I think he's trade bait. Um I, I like I it seems like the Blackhawks are really high on Colin Delia. Like you said earlier, uh they it seems like they really wanted him to be the number one guy. And um, the fact that they, they didn't give Forsberg any opportunities the first two weeks of the season while Crawford were still coming back um, leads me to believe that they're maybe not as high as on Forsberg as others could be. But mm-hmm. he did win a Calder Cup uh, a few years ago out in Lake Erie. So there's, I, there might be something there, but I, I think it's, his future is going to be in a different organization because it's, it's not hard to see the timeline here. And I think we've, Either written about it or talked about it before on this podcast, but mm-hmm. I, 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 it seems like the way things are shaping up, barring something catastrophic happening next season, Corey Crawford's your number one goalie and Colin Delia's your backup, and mm-hmm. then the season after that, uh, that'd be 2020. Uh, Colin Delia is your number one Blackhawks goalie because Crawford walks in free agency, mm-hmm. maybe comes back as a backup, or I don't know, but uh, at sure. that point in his career, he may not even be as good as he is now, but um. The nice thing with uh, the goalie situation is that Corey Crawford is the Corey Crawford uh, we've had the last three years. And uh, I, I feel like we need to keep repeating that, that 
how incredible that is that he's back and oh. doesn't look like he's missed a beat at all. Like oh, it's massive. I mean, yeah. you talked to me a month ago. Uh, we were all still terrified because we, we had no idea what Crawford was going to be. And the fact that he's back gives me hope that uh, this season might not be so <laughs> dreadful. So there put you the go. Con- put the confetti cannon down, Dave, and get off the couch. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna take this week by week. Um, no, I'm I'm with you. And and again, after last season, you was very it was very clear that Stan Bowman and company were really invested in the growth and development of Colin Delia, and that is what I believe they're going to continue to build around while Anton Forsberg continues to just be a you know a piece that you know eventually they move for some other players or you know a different position things like that maybe a proper defense unless Jan Ruda figures it out but you know the the point is is that that seems to be well in place now that Crawford has again through five games so far this year has come back and been the Crawford of old which is where we look to this next road trip coming up Um, the Hawks will travel for three games they will go to um, to Canada to face the Vancouver Canucks the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames um, Wednesday Thursday and Saturday so Brandon, we'll start with you. Um, what are some of the things that you're looking for on this road trip? Um, again, we've got the potential uh, return of Gustav Forsling. We've got goaltending, as always. Um, we do have a, a second line that's been pretty damn solid. We've had a first line that's been kind of meh. What, uh, what are some of the things that you're um, you know, specifically going to look for for this team uh, in the next three games moving forward? I don't want Edmonton's fourth line to score. Is if Zach Cassian scores another goal, like God, he's that guy's such garbage. Mm-hmm. He's like a he's he's Brandon Bowling just on another team. And the I ah. well, if you looked like on Twitter, like all the Edmonton fans were like, "Oh dear God, stop!" Because like they don't want him, so they're like, "Do not score." They're just going to keep putting him in the lineup, and they're like, "No, no, 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 we don't want this." There's the it's the long con by the Blackhawks to keep Zach Cassian in the lineup, right? Um, so that'd be, that'd be terrific if that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing is I want to keep seeing this third line click. Um, they just have so much speed and I think I've mentioned that like <laughs> Alexander Fortin just looks like a little kid at a birthday party <laughs> when parents are like, the cake is ready and he just, like runs into the room and can't stop himself. <laughs> <laughs> socks. So, he's wearing socks, so he like tries to stop on the kitchen floor. Uh, and the crowds the fuck. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't even need the fork. He's just gonna dive right in. <laughs> right. That's yeah. That's that's how I view him every single time I see him like fly up the fly up the ice without the puck. I'm just like, oh, here it comes. Um. So like you know, being better with the puck um, for him would be a nice thing to see and if camp can see some time or get sent down this week, I'd really like to see that. Um, just because you're, you're just not doing anything with the guy and he's not getting playing time when he needs to. Um, not saying that he's like the answer to, you know, any bottom six issue that there is sure, um, or anything, but just like a definitive mark on that would be nice to see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dave, what are uh, some of the things you're looking for here in these next three games? Uh, I think one in particular, I, I think I'd like to see just maybe maybe some more plays from Dominic Cahoon. Not that he's been bad over the last few games. It's just I, I think um, you know, he, he's might be 
slightly riding on the coattails of Tazen to bring it a little bit, which mm. understandable because both those players are on fire right now. Yeah, it's going to say easy to do when those yeah, guys right? are But I, I'd like to see Cahoon do that. And the other thing is I, I want to see Nick Schmaltz score goals like, or just at least shoot the puck <laughs> more. Like we've been, mm-hmm. been screaming about it for uh, for a couple of weeks now. Just and, and maybe getting him down on the wing, getting him away from Patrick Kane, uh, where it it seems like he defers to Kane too much, and mm. so now the Hawks are ta- they've taken away that option. Maybe he will he'll be less inclined to do that. But uh, but I don't know if you guys noticed that last night the uh, it would have been Sunday night, yeah. So last night uh, the Nick Schmaltz stick lift was in full force. Like he picked pockets of like eight mm. different guys. It looked like so that that's encouraging because that's a big part of his game is stealing the puck and taking off the other way. But just an overall better games out of Nick Schmaltz. I feel like Schmaltz and Cahoon, those are two guys that um, the, the, they seem like they can be your um, your secondary, secondary scoring in the top six, your you know, upper 40, low 50-point guys. And the, and the Hawks need like that because uh, eventually Taves, Kane, and Debrinket are probably going to slow down just a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Kane's going to play at a point-and-a-half-per-game pace all season. Uh, Debrinket's over a point. Hella good if he did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, 120 point season. That'd be pretty great. Uh, Does he get 83 goals? That's that's a good number. <laughs> I, I he's on pace for like 76 now, roughly 11 and 12 games. That, okay, math, yeah, math. Uh, well done. That's that's a great guess. I that's probably wrong. But uh, take a, take a I, I, basically, I'm just I'm looking for things out of the Fords because I have no hope for the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think. I think we can like lock in that Davidson will play against the Oilers. Oh yeah, I, well I yep. think I think lock you're going to see. I think the defense you'll see probably the same as Sunday night because uh, the defensive effort was much better Sunday night. Um, that I they pretty much held Connor McDavid down until three on three, which mm-hmm. is a crapshoot anyway. Um, right. Taves was skating against McDavid and McDavid didn't go crazy, so that's a good sign. Um, so yeah, I. I imagine the defense will be the same. I think there'll probably be some tinkering with the forwards because they didn't uh, produce too much. Um, and you know, it also it'd be great if Brandon Saad would just like score a goal every game for two weeks, and then we could stop Absolutely. talking about uh, him not being uh, him not being Artemi Panarin, which he never was to begin with. But mm. if we could just you know get the Brandon Saad of old, that would be that'd be wonderful. So just yeah, throw and, out the beard. Yeah, I you know what? At some point, if someone pulled him aside and said, "Dude, just go for the mullet now." Oh yeah, it, it might not be the worst idea. Yeah, man, let let your freak fly. Absolutely. You yes. you mentioned Schmaltz, and that's that was my first one. He only has nineteen shots on goal in twelve games this season. I yeah. I'm, I'm I with, didn't. That's so low. You for, need for, yeah for a sure. top line forward who plays on the power absolutely. play to have only nineteen shots. That's wow. Yep, absolutely. Who has played in all twelve games this season? Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah, I need to see Nick Schmaltz be a little more aggressive at the point of attack. And again, that also does. De- you know, that also does depend on where they slot him in the lineup as well. Obviously, he's a talented young star. I mean, that's a that's a guy that you're going to build the franchise around in years to come. But you know, if he's not finding success at the third line right wing position, then maybe you put him back on that second line center spot, like we we're talking about. But uh, but my biggest thing here in these next three games. And I, you know, we're gonna we got the we're on full alert here. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Henry Yokiharu will score a goal in these next three games. That dude is shooting the puck like it is his freaking job. I love where he's at with the offense. Which, by the way, if we're if we're talking shots on goal, number one, Patrick Kane with fifty eight this season. That's 
pretty self-explanatory. One, two, three is Kane, Debrinket, and Taves. There's no surprise there. The next two guys in shots on goal are Henry Yokiharu at fourth on the team and Brent Seabrook tied with Brandon Saad as the fifth and sixth guys with 26 shots on goal in 12 games so far this year. I, again, Henry Yokoharu will score a goal in these next three games. Again, I book it now, call your bookies, uh, you know, call a friend, you know, give your mama a call or whatever it is, do it, book it, lock it up right now. Um, that dude, cause he's, he's been playing well, um, especially on that top line. And I think that, uh, that that constant offensive pressure is going to mean pay dirt at some point. And I, I have a feeling that it's, if you want to be really specific, I'm a, I'll go way out there. I'll say it'll happen in the second period in Edmonton. Mm. That's right. All of you write that down. Yeah. Well, you um, know what? I, while you're on the subject of Yoko Haru, mm-hmm. like those, those 36 shots on goal, like, he is he's the anti Duncan Keith because all his shots seem to get through on net. I mean Duncan Keith is a phenomenal going into Hall of Fame, but in his entire career, like it seems like he never gets shots from the point through on net. Yokoharu seems to have that ability to either you know he knows when the the lane is there and he can wind up or take a slap shot, or he can make those nifty little stick handles, change the angle ever so slightly, and get a, a wrist shot that mm-hmm. goes on net. But you know, it's, it's rather. I'd rather have a you know sixty mile an hour flip uh, wrist shot hit on net than a hundred and ten mile an hour slap shot that hits a shin pad and goes back the other way. Mm-hmm. And Yokoharu seems to have that innate ability to get shots through and on net. So I think, and, and I think you're seeing that reflected in the thirty six shots on goal. And uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him score at any point because he's always up there on offense. But um, his ability to get the puck through is quite encouraging. Absolutely. And between so you guys think that Yokaru scores before Johnson does? Because they're both. Oh, absolutely. Before Luke Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I was gonna, yeah. No I, I think, yeah. Um, no offense to Luke Johnson, but he still has a little room to grow. He'll, he'll come around. I, again, I, he might actually not be the, the answer at center. He might, have to, might actually have to move him over to left wing um, or switch him and Hayden up. Again, if you want Hayden to play center, that's not a terrible idea either. But that, if that fourth line still needs a little bit of work. And again, we'll find out what happens with David Camp if he comes back into the lineup as well. But um, no, again, I, Yokoharu scoring alert. Um, and then uh, and I'm, I'm really – Oh, Jan Ruda, figure it out, man. Like something <laughs> has got to happen. Cause he's, here's the thing we need, especially on that fourth line. We need guys that are going to play that 15 to 17 minutes per game. It, it's clear, especially again, you're, you're still relying a lot on Duncan Keith. He's playing essentially 25 minutes a game. You're going to really want to have another defenseman or another defensive pair that can kind of hold their own, especially with, uh, with at least time on the ice and, and not being ridiculous. Again, Jan Ruda, man, you got to figure that out. Um, again, between the Brandons, either Manning or Davidson, I mean, those guys are going to have to start carrying a little more of the payload, um, which, uh, again, Gustav Forsling, feel free to, to swing back into the lineup and, and cover that 15 to 17-minute uh, worth of ice time mark. I mean, it would be greatly appreciated because, again, the top-line defense has been fine um, for the most part. Second-line defense has been fine for the most part. It's that third that third combination. We just – we're not entirely sure what's going on with that. So. <laughs> That will be uh, that will be interesting to uh, to say the least. Uh, well, uh, quick hitter, uh, Dave. How many uh, how many points are you you feeling over these next three games? How many how many points are you thinking? 
I'm trying to remember who they play. It's Vancouver, Edmonton, and, and Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, so you get you get Johnny Goudreau, Connor McDoink, and uh, no, that's actually Connor McDavid. Connor McDoink is a, a friend of the show. Um, on the, oh yeah, let's go four. What the hell? Four points. Four points. Yeah, Brandon? four points. Three. I'll take four. Uh, pair of pair of OTLs in there. That would be. Uh, That'd be kind of interesting to see what happens in there, but uh, we we will be watching uh, very intensely through the uh, through the the next three games, and we will talk to you more about it on next week's show. So that'll be uh, that'll be a nice place to to end this episode. Again, we appreciate everybody's support of the Second City Hockey Podcast. Shout out to uh, to Brandon Kane at Brandon M Kane Kane with a C. Uh, A-I-N at, uh, at Twitter. That's, that's underscore Dave Melton over there, America's favorite. Uh, I'm TCR Brad. You can follow us at Second City Hockey, second with a two, N-D City Hockey. Um, check out the website. Uh, shout out to, uh, to Nick and Shaylin as well. Both those two doing great work for us, and we appreciate them and all of their hard work. And, uh, again, we appreciate your support. Hey, you're, you're probably listening to this right now on uh, our brand-new uh, Podbean page, which is pretty exciting, um, which means that this is also uh, distributing over to, uh, to Google Podcasts as well as the iTunes um, network as well. So leave us a, a rating. Give us a, uh, give us a comment. Do the, do the thing. Win the points. We always appreciate your feedback. With that, uh, again, it's time to bid the uh, farewell. Uh, Golden State is now leading 127 to 89, heading They're into the coming quarter. back. Here come the Bulls. Um, and they outscored them in the third quarter. Actually. They did. I saw, I saw the Bulls official or somebody tweeted that, and <laughs> boys, silver linings. Scotty Pippen sitting courtside. Maybe he can come back out and keep him within. The oh field. man, my goodness. Um, the uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, until next time, again, thanks for the support, and we will talk to you guys next week. Hampton out. Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.